The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. In our first reading today, where we have the account of the passing of King David, we have his final instruction to his son Solomon, that son in home in whom his hope that the promise that the Lord made to him would be fulfilled. And his charge to his son is, on the one hand, not surprising, and yet on the other, often overlooked in terms of its importance. As David is passing away, he tells his son, who is the heir to his throne, who will rule in grandeur over Israel, Take courage and be a man, is the first thing he says to him. What an interesting command that is. Take courage and be a man. And at first glance, one might think he's warning him not to be afraid of political enemies. He's warning him not to grieve too much the passing of his father, but David continues with regard to the meaning of that statement. Take courage and be a man and give yourself to walking in the way of the Lord. What a remarkably important definition of what manly courage and frankly womanly courage too really is. Not look boldly on your enemy, not arm yourself, not be aggressive, but be firm in the way of what is right. Be firm in the way of the Lord, and do not be embarrassed by that. Do not be ashamed by that. Do not let your pride, your insecurity, your need to appear to be someone you're not stop you from being who you should be. And this is how David says his rule will be secure, not because he's well-trained and well-skilled in the art of politics, not because he has the right political policy positions, 
not because he's animated the base, but because he is firm in the way of the Lord. This is not simply a statement for what the quality of kingship rests upon. It's a statement for what the quality of a household rests upon. Because as David speaks to Solomon, he's not simply giving him instructions as a future king. He is giving him instruction as the one who will take care now of the household. The house of David now rests in the hands of Solomon. And so that the house will endure, that the house will survive, that the Lord's promise to the house will be fulfilled, take courage, be a man, and dedicate yourself to walking in the way of the Lord. And this idea, this important truth, that one must be resolved to walk in the way of goodness is something, again, that we speak about far too little. Many desire to walk in the way of goodness. Many are attracted by the way of goodness. But all too few of us persevere in the way of goodness. This is nothing new. If one looks, for example, at, at manuals of the spiritual life written for confessors three and four hundred years ago, this is what I do in my spare time, one sees something remarkable. The old mission preacher said the single greatest failure that happens in the average person's spiritual life is overlooking that issue in the act of contrition after we go to confession of making a firm purpose of amendment. The firm desire to be different, the firm desire to change, is what we say as we repeat the formula, but it's not what we fix in our heart. And so what happens? We commit the same sins over and over again. We never advance. We take a few steps. We get distracted. We lose our way. In a sense, that statement of David, take courage and be a man. Take courage and live truly well. Be firm in your commitment. And that's the boldness that produces a strong king. That's the boldness that produces a wise and strong and confident head of a household. The firm resolve to walk in the way of goodness. With different words, that's exactly what Jesus does with his apostles in our gospel reading today. The Lord sends them out, and the first thing we hear is he gives them authority over unclean spirits. And again, right away, our proud hearts are attracted to that idea of having authority over things, of being able to look at what is wrong and say, get out of here, and it has to listen. Man, wouldn't that be great? We desire that quick, authoritative fix. And yet, 
the granting of authority is done within a framework. Note what that framework is. It's not just that Jesus says, I am giving you authority. He's also saying, and I want you to leave behind a lot of stuff. It's not just that the apostles get something. The more important thing is the freedom that they acquire by leaving certain things go. And so the authoritative apostle is also the one who is told, don't take a money bag with you. And don't take a second tunic. Don't even pack a lunch. As you go forward, put on your sandals and take your walking stick and you're good. And what is the Lord getting at? You think you need all these other things to sustain you. You think you need all of this extra stuff just to get by. You think you need your protection, your safety, your well-being come from all of those things the world tells you are important and will sustain you. And the Lord is saying, in a sense, take courage and be a man and trust in me if you're walking my way. Because if you're walking in my way, it's my job to protect you. And I'll do a better job than that second tunic ever will. And I'll do a better job of providing for your needs than that lunch bag you're going to take. And I will do and reward you and care for you with the treasure of my grace, which will last you longer and be far more reliable than that pouch of earthly coin that you lose so much of your time and your energy and attentiveness seeking to acquire. And in speaking this way, Jesus isn't telling his apostles again, having those things we need to sustain us materially is a bad thing. But he's saying that there is a point in the spiritual life where we have to move beyond our reliance on those things. Where we have to recognize that the more we come to trust them, the more we surrender to them. And the more those things become a cage that limits our movement and constrains our freedom. And for all too many of us, the real threat to our freedom is not the positions of the politicians in this world. It's the unhealthy attachments our hearts have formed to the things of this world. It's the unhealthy dependence that our hearts and our spirits have acquired for all of those things we've convinced ourselves we have to have, and that without which we can't function. And so note the Lord, as he sends his apostles out, he is saying, I want men who are free to go out and do this. And note what he says. Freedom doesn't come from overcoming the Romans. Freedom doesn't come from policy positions, freedom first comes from a certain free detachment of the heart 
from all of that which would hold it back. The real freedom is the freedom to trust. And it's the freedom to trust that one who alone is truly trustworthy. Trust me. Don't trust the things. Trust me. Don't trust yourself. Trust me. And learn to trust your relationship with me, and even more, trust my relationship with you. And so it is, then the Lord says, when you go someplace and a place takes you in, he says to his missionaries, then stay there. Don't look for better accommodations. Don't look for better lodging. Be grateful for what you have and be about what you need to do. Because again, then the Lord says, wanting to settle ourselves a certain way often gets in our way too. And then he gives what at first hand sounds like very cold advice. And you go to that place and they reject you. They don't listen to you. They don't receive you. He's speaking to the ministers of the gospel. What does he say? Shake the dust of that place off your feet. And while that has a very real note of saying, then I'm done with you, what the Lord is also saying, don't carry your resentment over that experience out of there with you. Now that is a lesson that all of us need to learn. How many times have we been in situations where we've been unfairly and badly treated? How many times have we been in situations where we've been disappointed, deceived, let down? How many places have we just been victimized in some way? And while none of us, let's be honest, none of us is fully innocent, none of us is truly innocent, we're all sinners, Yet there are times where we've been unjustly, rudely, unfairly treated. But what do we do? We keep the dust of that mistreatment on our feet, don't we? And we walk into the next aspect of our life still carrying the dirt of what happened before with us. And we can't trust. We're not free because we're nursing that simmering anger of some place that I'm not at anymore, and yet is strangely clinging to me. This instruction that the Lord gives then, this is not just a rhetorical flourish. He's also saying to his disciples, you need to learn how to free yourself from your anger and your disappointment when things don't go your way, when things don't go well for you. And that's one of the hardest lessons to learn. We carry our mistakes, don't we? We live in our mistakes all too easily. We rest in our sense of the wrong we've received, and it's so hard not to. And then here's the Lord. Shake the dust off your feet. He's not saying pretend it didn't happen. He's saying don't let it cling to you. Don't walk with that lingering with you. Learn from your mistake, yes. Forgive and deal with the wrong that has been done to you, 
Yes. But don't let the wrong live in you. Don't let the wrong live on you. Let it go. What a remarkable lesson this is. Note how, in a sense, Jesus unpacks David's statement to Solomon. Take courage and be a man, and you walk in the way of the Lord. And so what does Jesus do? He sends his disciples out two by two to walk in his way, to carry forth his mission. But the Lord says there's a secret to this. And part of that secret is having the courage not to cling to crutches. Part of that secret is having the courage not to reduce your sense of security, safety, and well-being to that which cannot hope to sustain you. Part of it is having the freedom to go and to move and to be where you are and appreciate it, however gloriously imperfect it may be. But also to have that freedom to say, I don't have to take what is wrong with me today. And if we as a people could just learn that simple lesson, how different all of our lives would be, how different our society, our church, our world would be. Because so much of what is broken around us comes from the fact that we've never learned how to shake the dust off our feet. And how good it is that we're here. And the only reason that we're here today is years and years and years ago, those who were free left behind home and brought the gospel here. And years ago, there were those who left aside other career paths and came to this area to establish this shrine. Notice that it's the detachment of others, including the detachment of all the donations that made this place possible. That there's a certain detachment, that freedom shows itself in the ability to detach. What is really mine is what I can give away. If I can't give it away, I have to ask, is it really mine? Or do I belong to it? And we're here because of that. But we're most fully here because somebody else, in his freedom, clung to nothing of this world except his love for us. And he gave everything for us. And in just a few minutes, we're going to come forward and we're going to stretch out our hands. And that same Jesus who says, don't take that second tunic, don't pack a lunch, don't worry about the money, is the same one who also said the Son of Man has no place to rest his heads, and even birds get a nest, and even the fox has a den. The same Son of Man who lays everything aside for us is going to be here. And you're going to hear that word, that beautiful word, the body of Christ, as you come forward. And you'll see, 
He is pleased to lay aside everything for you and to make everything about himself available to you. And what we receive when we receive him in Holy Communion is we receive the touch of that freedom. Jesus doesn't send his disciples first, forth in a mere earthly freedom. He sends them forth not just with his authority, but with his freedom. That beautiful, detached freedom upon which all true authority does rest. And when we go forth from here today, the Lord is going to say, before you reach for all of those other things, pause a second and reach for me and then move. Amen.